Hey guys, and welcome back to Mind the Green Space, the podcast where we talk about all things adventure, sustainability, and mental health, and how they all somehow interconnect. This podcast is in collaboration with Powerful Parks. To find out more about them, check out the description below. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mind the Green Space. This week I'm joined with Jonathan Smith, and I'll let you introduce yourself because from what I've seen on your website, you do a lot of things. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, so primarily I um, am an organic grower on the Isles of Scilly. I grow fruit and veg, um, but also work with a lot with uh, farms and growers doing helping them to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, so we work all across the UK and we've got a kind of leading um, carbon calculator for farms and growers called the Farm Carbon Calculator. Um, and then, yeah, other things. I'm uh, actually quite a keen cyclist and do various kind of sporty things. And um, uh, was formerly a local councillor on the islands here uh, on St Martins. So yeah, quite a few strings to my bow. That's awesome. Quite a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so have you always lived on the Isles of Scilly, or did you move I've here? I've lived here. Yeah, I moved here. Um, I always came on holiday, and I moved here about eighteen years ago. Um, to set up my business. That's awesome. Was it just something that just really took your fancy with the Isles of Scilly? Or... Uh, it's a very special place. You know, it's a, it's, um, it's a beautiful place. It's um, a really kind of unique natural environment, a very small community. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, people who come on a holiday here, you know, they come year after year. And it's, it's pretty idyllic, really, I have to be honest. Yeah. I have to admit, yeah. I didn't know the Isles of Scilly existed until about a year ago when Isaac said they're going to be cycling there. And I was like, wow, <laughs> there, there, there's an extra part of the UK. It seems like a bit of a hidden gem. <laughs> it is a bit of a hidden gem. And actually, it's funny, you're not the only person. And um, interesting, I think most of the people who come here on holiday, the vast majority probably live in the southwest. So they kind of, you know, know it a bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of people just don't know where it is, which is uh, always amuses me a bit. Yeah, do you get a lot of tourism or? We do, yeah. I mean, this week in particular is particularly busy. And um, yeah, the summer months are really, really, really busy. And I think 2021 is going to be a bit of a bumper year for it, actually. Yeah. Um, with uh, restrictions lifting. So um, yeah, no, it, it's it's quite busy through the summer. Yeah. But it's all relative. You know, it's, it's not like uh, sort of Bournemouth Beach. It's, you can always find a nice, quiet spot. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah. So let's start then by talking about Silly Organics, which I, I really like the name of that. Uh, silly. <laughs> sounds like silly. So can you tell us a bit about that? I assume you're a, would you consider yourself a farmer? I call myself a grower, really, because um, yeah, I don't have any livestock. Um, so I just grow fruit and veg. We're on about, there's probably about 10 acres of land altogether, but we're sort of growing on a, around four to five. Um, basically, veg just and fruit sold locally on the islands. And um, yeah, we sell, sell to a restaurant and a cafe and a pub and uh, just like a little honesty stall by the road where people just come by and pick up their stuff and leave the money for it. It's, um, it's a very kind of it's a place with, you know, very low crime rates and very trusting people. So um, so that works really well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, we, we do lots of um, lots of fruit and veg and um, people seem to really like it. And, you know, certainly a passion of mine, you know, growing good food and uh, in a very sustainable way. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Do you think then you doing this has kind of changed how you view green spaces or? Uh, I've always had a very, um, yeah, I think, you know, green spaces and outdoors are absolutely critical for people's health and well-being. Uh, and, you know, for me, 
I always say like, you know, I'm not a follower of religion, but for me, walking out on, especially here, is just a very, very beautiful place. Um, it's like going to church for me. Yeah. You know, it's it's very, um, you know, deep connection with nature. And I think that's just amazing for people's health and well-being, really. So, yeah, totally support uh, people getting as much access to that as possible, really. I think it's, it's so valuable. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about um, documentaries that kind of highlight all the bad stuff within industries. And one of the big things is kind of like Cowspiracy, if you've seen that on Netflix. I kind of just talk about... I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah. So one of the main parts of that was just talking about how um, within farming, it's just there's so much to do with climate change, like the emissions. Um, so, and it's, it's a big thing with people going like vegetarian as well, isn't it? Because yeah. of all the emissions they see. Is that something, can you talk a little bit about then the farm carbon calculator? Is this something you work with um, farms and livestock or is it simply just um, fruit and vegetable farming that you do? No, it's applicable to all farmers, whether they're livestock, fruit and veg, arable or whatever else. Um, and it's a really interesting question. It's one we get asked quite a lot, you know. Uh, essentially, you know, there's been a lot of debates, certainly around beef uh, and, and milk, um, and rightly so, it's, it's become very polarised. And I think um, my kind of stock answer is that it can be very good or very bad or anything in between. And it's, it's way too simplistic to say it's one or the other, I think. Um, the devil's always in the detail. And I think, you know, films like Cowspiracy, which I believe is fairly American-centric, um, I can see yeah. why that kind of um, answer has come out, because I think, you know, for example, feedlot beef fed by arable crops is just an environmental disaster. Um, I think you put it in yeah. the UK context where generally uh, livestock is um, pasture based, um, you know, outdoors eating grass, uh, the impacts are much, much lower. I think that and because ultimately there's carbon sequestration going on in the soil and that's absolutely vital or if it's managed in the right way it will be and you know hedgerows and woodland are also very very important for that so you have to see the farm as a whole i think um and so whilst for example livestock clearly are em emitting methane if the soils also sequestering carbon that can start to balance it out and that ultimately is what the calculator is all about is actually understanding what's happening on your farm in terms of all your greenhouse gas emissions uh, and what's the amount of emissions compared with sequestration and therefore where's your carbon balance and then what can you do to improve it so that's where we try and work with all farmers and growers um, because everyone's on a journey everyone has a chance to improve um, my overall comment on the subject would be um, if you go vegan that's great um, and actually pretty much every study has said that environmentally that's a really good thing um, but yeah. if you're not then just eating less but higher quality meat and dairy is a really really good you know place to start I think yeah I think it's just because it's become such a conversation with um documentaries coming out and people and social media like finally understanding like the information being out there but do you think the farmers understand how much carbon they're actually emitting or is there something that they're quite surprised at when the carbon calculator shows them yeah I think everyone's on their kind of different journey with that um we've got some farmers that yeah come in a very very you know surprised and and then I think some are kind of it just reaffirms the stuff that they maybe knew already and what we tried to do is encourage them to do it kind of on an annual basis so they really understand where they're going on their kind of carbon journey 
um but it's yeah it's been really interesting and i think it's it's something i call something like carbon literacy or you know looking at your farm in a slightly different way uh and it's you know ultimately it's really really important to understand because you've got for example market drivers you've got things like supermarkets saying we want to go zero carbon 2030 and all our supply chain which is huge you know, yeah that's massive um and then you've potentially got legislation coming down the road as well um for farmers so it's something that you absolutely have to understand and you know i always argue it's better to kind of get in earlier rather than later before a kind of big stick is waved <laughs> at you and uh, yeah, yeah take, take the easy approach first yeah yeah how did the idea come about then what was the inspiration so start, for it yeah interesting one so we started the calculator about um over 10 years ago actually so we've been in this for quite a, quite a while probably 12 years um and it was really kind of I think just as carbon was becoming more of a, a concept, I can actually remember a conference I was at in 20, 2007 and, and the strap line was something like, you know, wait, it was a, a keynote speech. I think it was from Jonathan Porritt, actually. And the strap line was something like, wake up and smell the carbon. And ever <laughs> since that time, you know, I I, look, I read a lot in it. I talked with some colleagues and we just thought, wow, actually, this is, you know, a really good opportunity for farms and growers to actually understand what they're doing. And... Um, yeah, it was great. It, and we sort of ran with it from there. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey along the way. And, um, yeah, we think we've got a kind of really useful tool that's, that's being really well used by farmers and growers. So that's great. Yeah. It's really gratifying. Yeah, well, it's the first thing, it's the first I've heard of anything. And I live in a very rural area. And um, there's been a lot of documentaries in my area with farmers. And there's one thing I always see is they're quite, uh, farmers with certain things they feel like they're being attacked a bit like there's lots of protests going on recently yep. so did you find the farmers are quite open to the idea or they definitely are i think i think a lot just want to know because yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say there's been a lot in the media and some of it's not all been positive um uh, yeah not everybody's going to come out with a great kind of carbon report from it um yeah but it's a but some are and and you know it's really important to kind of for them to just understand their where they are on the journey and then to take those steps towards it and at the very least they can you know say say to critics well okay yeah fair enough but you know we we understand where we are and we're doing this to reduce our carbon footprint um so you know all in all i think it's a really positive process and we you know we try not to be kind of judgmental or um or make you know position statements about particular things we're here to kind of essentially help farms and growers in their understanding yeah yeah it makes sense that you do it that way because a lot i feel like a lot of stuff in the media right now is just like putting farmers as like some of the worst people of the world like you see these vegan documentaries and they like they're protesting or they're stopping and it's just like um because i grew up pretty much where farming is like one of the main source of income you can see that it's just like it's just their way of life it's just how they are and like being told that what you're doing is causing all of these problems like that that's not going to help them is it but i think you giving them the tools they can figure out what they're doing and how to change it makes more sense than the media being like this is what you're doing bad that's it we're not going to yeah. tell you how to change it yeah it definitely does can and, you... and the, as always there's more kind of devil in the detail you know there's nuance isn't there so um yeah that's the important thing to understand really yeah 100 percent uh, can you talk a bit about your work then with Cirque for Life and like circular economy? Yeah, so this has been an EU-funded project called Cirque for Life, and it's um, essentially about testing business solutions for circular economy. 
So if you think of, um, you know, our economy is very much based on kind of input output. So it's a kind of a linear economy. Um, so yeah. resources go in, you know, consumers use it, waste comes out. Uh, and that's obviously a totally unsustainable model. So the circular economy is more about, um, yeah, several kind of elements. So one is kind of the kind of reuse and recycling of materials, which is really, really important as we live in a, you know, a finite world. Yeah. Um, but also what energy is used in that process. And obviously that should be renewable and low carbon. Um, but a kind of a bit more than that as well. It's about, for example, something called co-creation, where so you, you would engage customers in your the design of products and understanding what they want. And it's kind of, um, yeah, that kind of closer interaction between customers and, and companies can only be a good thing. Yeah. Um, so really, we've been testing Stoke for Life on my farm on Silly Organics, uh, really looking at what kind of circular economy solutions can we uh, implement in the business? And therefore, what can we also recommend, importantly, to other farmers and growers um, as a kind of a circular economy approach? Yeah. Yeah. What have, been, what have been some of the main struggles that you found with trying to implement kind of like a circular economy with, on your farm? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we've kind of focused on some key areas. So one is kind of understanding the environmental and social impacts of what we're doing. So yeah. part of that is the carbon footprint, but it's also doing a kind of a life cycle analysis and really understanding that. Um, and then essentially communicating that to customers. So we've got, you know, like we introduced labels on our salad bags saying, you know, this salad contains uh, whatever kilos of co2 to produce it um, yeah. and then backing that up with some data on the website um just has really a, a much better understanding and more kind of transparency so that's been one thing um we've worked quite hard on uh trying to reduce plastics in the business yeah um because the big issue certainly for farms you know there's quite a lot of plastic use which ain't very sustainable both from a kind yeah. of resource use and uh you know in terms of waste as well so we've worked towards trying to get like um you know 100 plant-based compostable plastic packaging basically yeah for example and making sure we recycle any other things like polytunnel plastic which we we kind of have to have um so challenges like that and also just basically trying to get customers much more engaged in the business um understanding what they want what they need and trying to influence other businesses we supply like um i supply a pub down the road with salad and and try to get them on a path more towards circular economy as well so you kind of extend your influence out a bit and the ideal is of course through the supply chains that would be kind of the ideal scenario yeah um, so yeah those are some of the things we've been doing yeah have you found then that the people you've been talking to and some of the businesses have been quite open to the idea or yeah, they definitely have been. I think it, you're kind of pushing it quite an open door. I guess, uh, again, they want to know what the solutions are and actually how you implement them in your business and, you know, how much it's going to cost, what's it going to save them and, and um, you know, really how they can get over what they're doing to their customers, I guess. Yeah. Really important as well, because you've got to bring your customers along with you and kind of shared values. Ideally. Yeah, that makes Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've done quite a few EU-funded projects. You've also done, there's an Isle of Silly um, community venture. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, sure. So I've not been directly involved with them, but they are, yeah, an organisation I kind of work with on the islands. Um, so they were set up to um, help deliver some kind of low-carbon transport and energy solutions for the islands. Um, yeah. And there's a bigger funded programme called Smart Islands, um, which did a whole number of things, including 
getting a load of solar panels on um, sort of council houses and there's an electric vehicle scheme um, which is nearing completion um, and then there was some kind of business support in terms of energy efficiency and helping businesses to install solar panels and, and whatever kind of renewable energy devices and energy efficiency um, products so that was really yeah. good um, and then I guess the next big one for us on the islands really is is getting a significant source of renewable energy something like potentially wave or tidal uh, yeah. or even floating offshore wind um, obviously huge potential as in any kind of coastal place around the UK particularly on the western and the northern sides um, yeah so that's kind of a big one I would argue that you know is priority for the islands and and it does look like we've got potential to do something with a wave energy company, which would be very exciting, I think. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think like um, I think in the next 10 years, it's going to be such a big move towards green energy. You can see now that a lot of um, already big brands, um, like I think my family of a BT, and they just had an email being like, oh, we've got this green one you can try and stuff like that. So I've hopefully... It'll come quickly for you guys to help that. I get would that work then within like stimulating your guys' economy or? Yeah, no, I think it would. Um, yeah, I just see this as a really positive thing all in all, and I think that you're right. There will there have been big changes, and there will continue to be big changes. I think. Yeah. Um, and you know we've we talked um, when I was on local council. We talked about this concept of environmental growth, which is quite a big thing. Yeah. Um, and something strategically I think is really important for the islands is kind of, you know, growing that green economy and, and the opportunities that gives to people here for, for jobs and the kind of knock on positive impacts on tourism as well, I think are really, really yeah. important. Um, so I can only see that kind of growing and being just a, a good thing for us. It's clearly where we need to go as society and um, I hope it will kind of continue to improve really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure is Sig for Life uh, an EU-funded um, venture? It is, it is. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and also the um, the community venture was also EU-funded, am I it right? Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So have you have you found then the Brexit has kind of had an effect on those projects, or? Yeah, I mean, like I mean, they've all they will all kind of you know go through to their their finality, so there's no chance of those kind of just stopping midstream i guess the, yeah. the question is what happens next um and actually the islands as a whole have benefited from vast amounts of eu money you know from those projects through to like the um the airport runways resurface the roads resurface there was fiber optic broadband brought in all sorts of it you know keys extended all sorts of infrastructure projects yeah. which have been um largely i would say very and business support um very beneficial for the islands uh, and interestingly, actually, the islands here voted 61% remain in the referendum and Cornwall is actually the other way around. Yeah. Uh, interestingly. Um, but anyway, you know, that kind of politics aside, we are where we are. I think yeah. Yeah, the question is what will replace that kind of funding? And there's been quite a kind of um, a push, certainly from the Council of the Isles of Scilly and jointly with Cornwall Council saying, hey, look, you know, we are actually quite an economically poor area which is true that's why we had a lot of eu funding yeah and um you know don't forget us you know and so there's a big message there to the uk government in terms yeah. of um we really need you know that kind of financial support because it's the nature of the place it's it's kind of hard to get away from that really so um, yeah 
the devil's in the detail again. We'll wait and see what happens. But um, it's yeah, it's a bit of a concern, I think, for people here, actually. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to ask if you've had any, like, government, like, UK government funding and investments projects like that. Yeah. But is this something that you would really like to see from the UK government in terms of investing into projects like this? Or? Yeah, I mean, for instance, I know the council at the minute is doing a, a very big application for replacement kind of transport um, links to the mainland. So that's actually coming up um, soon. So that's kind of great that they've offered that money, I think. Um, yeah, I think I'd really like seeing investment in the green economy. I think that's really important. You know, yeah. I, I fundamentally think Scilly as a low carbon destination um, just makes a lot of sense. And in many yeah. ways it is because compared to, you know, flying to, um, you know, Spain or much further afield, for example, um, it is actually a much lower, lower carbon holiday. However, we are still much more carbon intensive than we should be. Yeah. Or could be, I think. Um, so I'd really like to see that, I think. And generally, you know, investment in businesses seems to be a good thing here. There's lots of very small businesses and people doing some really interesting stuff as well. Um, yeah. And uh, investing in the, the kind of the farmed landscape and, and uh, the, you know, we're an area of outstanding natural beauty as well. I know you're doing lots of trips to national parks and that. Um, yeah. Part of the ride. And so, you know, the investment in that is really, really important, I think. And, and I think it continually does need investment. And that is the the bedrock of why people come to Scilly. It's an extraordinary location. It's an exceptional nat natural environment. But, um, you know, it needs management. So, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it needs investment. Yeah. Coming back to your farm then, with the carbon, I assume you would use the carbon calculator on your farm. I do. Was there, <laughs> was there any part of your farm where you were very surprised at how much carbon emission there was? Or Yeah, I think I think there's one thing in actually sort of quantifying it. So saying, for example, you know, OK, well, this is how much diesel is used in the tractor. And it's like, oh, OK, that's, you know, probably a bit more than I expected. And, you know, looking yeah. at solutions to reduce that. Some of the more interesting ones are the kind of the hidden ones. So, for example, um, so things like crop residues. Uh, so when you've harvested a crop and there's some left, for example, you know, from potatoes or carrots or lettuce or whatever, there's some left on the surface. Some of that goes into the soil and then is released as nitrous oxide, which is a really, really powerful greenhouse gas. It's totally yeah. hidden, um, a bit like methane. It's, it's not very obvious. Um, and yeah, just sort of working out what that was was probably quite significant, I think. Yeah. Um, on the more exciting side, yeah, understanding what cut, you know, sequestration, so carbon being absorbed in the plant, the biomass, and in the soils of the farm, is just really, really exciting. And actually, uh, on my farm, there is far more carbon being absorbed than emitted. So we're yeah. net sequestering carbon, which is just amazing. And actually, I'd argue that every farm has the opportunity to do that. And yeah. if they are, then they're totally part of the solution rather than the problem. So you could literally, you know, you could buy your, your basket of shopping and potentially you'd actually be absorbing carbon through the products that you buy. I mean, that's just a really, really exciting concept. And that's yeah. part of our kind of mission with the calculator and, and farm carbon toolkit is to say to farmers, look, this is where we could get to. And it's not just net zero, it's net kind of drawdown or whatever you call it. It's like a sort of, um, yeah, as I say, absorbing more carbon than you admit. So, yeah. Um, so that's been great. That's been really eye opening. Yeah. Great. So awesome. Was um, the carbon calculator kind of like a face this kind? Or has it been about for a 
the idea being about from other people or there were some early on ours is probably the first one of the early few early ones that's carried on being kind of big i guess yeah um so yeah we were definitely at the, at the forefront i think and we yeah. always one of the things we'd always sold ourselves on is that we push um carbon sequestration because we think it's really really important as a concept um so we've done that right from the beginning and i think that's part of the reason why farmers and growers like using our tool essentially yeah. um so yeah yeah that's been really positive actually and i think i think people really appreciate it yeah i can imagine like the uk is such an agricultural based um country isn't it i think that's like a, i know a lot of people from like where i'm from yeah. in south wales are farmers and i think having a tool like that would actually give them the tools they need to actually help rather than being told that oh my god you're doing all these things wrong now that the change in a conversation is about climate change but yeah, yeah. Are, there, are there any goals that you have within uh, some of your projects that you'd like to see soon so i mean our kind of mission is to just help as many farms and growers as possible to reduce their their emissions um yeah yeah i think we we just like to see you know loads more engagement we've got um something like four thousand users at the moment we'd obviously like to see that up and up and up and um and we're seeing it you know it's really quite a rapid rate of growth and actually as an organization over the last year we've um we've grown exponentially you know we've got loads of staff on board now and we're continually getting interest you know one thing we offer is consultancy um so people would say like you know we've got this target of net zero 2030 can you help us get there essentially so it's kind of you know measure the footprint and and then you know work on a bit of a um a plan to try and get there um yeah yeah so i guess yeah that is fundamentally our mission and, and i think it's just gonna be really interesting to see how things develop um particularly with kind of government targets around climate change yeah uh, and and through the elms you know which is kind of the environmental land management scheme which is going to kind of effectively kind of replace um, subsidies and, and farmers and growers being going to be paid on the environmental benefits that they provide. So yeah. again, a lot of devil in detail, and we'll wait to see what happens there, particularly on the carbon element, and see how we can assist in those goals, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, you mentioned earlier then that you're a very keen cyclist. Um, how, is that, how, how has that helped you in terms of like just appreciating the green spaces that we have? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, actually, I don't get too much cycling these days because I live on a small island. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I used to do a, a lot. And, you know, I just love it. That kind of freedom of getting on the road and being out um, in nature is just amazing. It gives you such a great perspective, doesn't it? You know, being on a bike and um, the, yeah. amount of, the amount of miles that you can cover in a, in a day is great. Um, I mean, I love walking, too. Um, it's just a totally different thing. Um, and yeah, I just think it's such a great way to see the landscape and really experience it and be in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, whilst obviously, you know, keeping fit and um, and be able to eat loads of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no guilt there when you come back and you raid the covers because you're like, I've just done the cycle. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm glad Isaac isn't here because on Saturday he did something like a 200 mile cycle. Oh my God. Uh, ended up being like 16 hours. And I was just oh, like wow. in the WhatsApp group chat, like, how? Why would you? I was like, first of all, why would you put yourself through that? Because it was like 3 a.m. when he finished. And I was like, how didn't you give up? <laughs> That's intense. Yeah. 
I mean, they had a great vid. They did it in the Bracken Beacon, so I can understand why they would want to cycle. But at the same yeah. time, 200 miles, oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Could well, you I'm, so I'm like, super impressed. <laughs> yeah. Could you even cycle 200 miles on your island? Or <laughs> Well, the island's about two miles long, so no. Well, it'd be yeah. an awful lot of up and down. <laughs> no, around. <laughs> 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 As a kind of a finishing question, then, what future change would you like to see to Azasili? Oh, that's a yeah, it's a really interesting question. That um, it's funny because a lot of people who come on holiday, you know, they absolutely love it, and um, and people who live here, and there's a sort of phrase that goes around of you know, it's very special, don't change it, and I think that's quite yeah. interesting because I know where they're coming from, but actually, all places change all the time, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, actually, we're going to have changes imposed upon us with climate change. You know, we are seeing sea level rises. We're seeing more storms. We're seeing, um, you know, changes in the coastline with more erosion. So that kind of that's kind of happening anyway and changing weather patterns. And I think so, you know, what's our kind of response to that? What's our resilience? And I guess I'd like to see, you know, continually improvement in biodiversity. I'd like to see more tree cover. Um, I'd like to see you know, a lot more green energy um, here, you know, essentially becoming a zero carbon society. And um, yeah, people really just valuing the place for what it is. You know, I think there's there's always that temptation to go for kind of high end tourism. I always kind of rebuff that and, and just think, actually, the reason people come here and this comes out consistently in surveys is the peace, the quiet, the beauty, the beaches, you know, th it's the natural place. It's what it's all about. And I guess yeah. that kind of fundamental yeah. appreciation of that is really, really important. Um, and the other thing I think is more local food production. That's fundamental. You know, I'm really, really passionate about that. And we've got some people doing some great, really great local food. But if you look at kind of the amount of food that's brought into the islands as a proportion of what we produce here, you know, it's massive. Um, yeah. It's like we... Uh, I like that analogy of the kind of the ice, the cake and the icing. It's like we produce the icing and we buy in the cake. And I'd love it if it was the other way around. Um, yeah. You know, we buy in the icing and produce the cake. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that again, that's the sort of thing that needs investment and, and uh, you know, people. And um, that's kind of the, I'd love the way to, you know, love to see it going that way on the islands. But um, time will tell. It's not all up to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, from what you just said, I'm very excited to finally come to Arsili after only figuring out that it was a place a year ago. So, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. As a final thing, then, where can people find out more about you? Uh, yes, you can look at my website, sillyorganics.com, or you can find me on Instagram, Jonathan on Silly. Um, yeah, and I think there's various kind of articles and bits and pieces that are written online that you can find out about and farm carbon calculator if you search for that so that's where you can find me awesome i love it all linked below in the description but anyway thank you so much for coming on Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. There are new episodes every Thursday. And if you want to keep up to date with the Mind the Green Space outside of the podcast, make sure you check us out on Instagram at Mind the Green Space. There'll be a link in the description. <laughs>